Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier, and this is the NL Full Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. Before we look at the action, don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, and the podcast app, and it'll be uploaded to your phone every week. So, joining me on the line now to review the action is Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. And also, it is Rich Wharton. Hello, Rich. Hi, Luke. Good morning. And as always, is Rob Wall. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, Luke. Interesting day again in the National League. It was looking really bad for, uh, well, it's looked bad for most of the top side. Solihull went top on Tuesday evening with a 3 0 win at Aldershot. And we'll start off with that result because. Rob, you caught up with Nathan Blissett after the game, and here's what he had to say. Right, uh, podcast uh, listeners, I'm delighted to say, and, and the, for, the, for the other boys in the podcast team, they'll know I was trying to climb on the Macclesfield coach last year to get a word with this chap, but it was too late. Nathan Blissett, you like playing at the Ebb Stadium, don't you, sir? Yeah, it's a nice little ground. Um, I enjoy playing here, and uh, I enjoy scoring. So, yeah, I've enjoyed my night tonight, and so have the boys. We've worked hard, and we've got our Josh Wards. You were familiar with the challenge, really, aren't you? Uh, Business end of the season, up the right end of the table. Different sort of side, play a different way here. Um, Can mix it, can go long, can can get the ball down and play. And a really nicely created second goal tonight, which you finished off. Just seem to have got the measure of, of this league, a way to grind out results when you're not necessarily playing that well and then turn it on when you need to. Well, you know, that's a sign of a, a championship team, mm. isn't it? So um, we know what we're doing here. We know how to play. We know how we want to play and get results. Some people might not like it, but that's that's their problem. You know, we come here to do a job first and foremost. And once that's done, we can then, you know, express ourselves like we did for the second and, you know, just grind out the results. Now, it's a cold February night. You're 2-0 up away for a moment, Aldershot, a side that has scored one goal at home in seven games. Realistically, the game was done. But for you, it wasn't. You sniffed the little half chance of a hat-trick, didn't you? Long bouncing ball. Just talk us through uh, what then happened and what you can remember well, about it. <laughs> well, you know, I know I've got a leap on me and, um, yeah, yeah Carter's put the ball over. I know the keeper's not going to get there in time. He can't pick it up. So it, it's, it's a 50-50, really, me and him. And I fancied myself. And, you know, it's my hat-trick. So I know it's a perfect hat-trick as well, but um, it was for my hat-trick goal and uh, it's my first professional hat-trick. So I had, I had to win it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, all, fant- all means. Fantastic, really. Um, from the Aldershot Town point of view, it was the final uh, sort of dagger to their heart tonight. But uh, I must admit, you didn't shirk the challenge. You went up with the goalkeeper and uh, you, you took a right clout. <laughs> yeah. But the ball came squarely off that forehead. Did, and uh, yeah. and uh, did you manage to watch it over the line? And were you I, too? <laughs> I, I watched it bounce, but then my head hit the floor. So <laughs> all, I, all I heard was a few cheers. So, you know, I knew it went in and that mm. was it. So, yeah, game done. And, you know, we, we uh, head on to Saturday. Now, uh, last time out at Solihull, I spoke to uh, the manager, Tim Flowers. A word for him. I know you only came in in December, didn't you? But uh, your initial thoughts on, 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 on the way he sets up the side and runs it, because this is his first job uh, as a manager and uh, he's making it look quite easy right now. <laughs> he, well, he knows what he's doing. I worked with him um, when I first became a professional at Kidderminster Harriers um, for a short while. Um, he's very meticulous in what he does, you know. 
everything he doesn't leave a stone unturned in, in his preparation and um, it shows dividends in, in how we can you know break down teams and grind out results like we do from your own point of view what's the situation is you is your deal here till the end of the season or is it longer than that i oh, know i've signed here for, um, for 18 month deal so I'm, I'm here for next year as well so hopefully and, you know a promotion yeah. and uh, playing in the league too and because uh, you, you you had that experience last time but uh, this season uh, if it happens um, we won't get ahead of ourselves but if it happens uh, i'm sure you like to sustain uh, you know your time in the football league because you're, you're that close to it and you've shown you're good yeah. at this level <laughs> and, and, and now you just want to uh, kick on and, and, and score those same goals in the football league I'm sure yeah I mean for, for whatever reason I've always gone there and come back down you know kind of yo-yoed between the two leagues and you know I want to try and stake a claim I mean, it's not that be all and end all of it, but yeah, it's always nice to play in the football league, and yeah, hopefully we can get back there. Well, thanks very much for joining us, and well done. And please go easy on all the shot next time. Thank you, Nathan. So that was Nathan Bliss. It, it was it was amazing to hear that was his first ever hat trick in senior football. Yeah, it was it was lovely to speak to him actually. Although obviously, uh, you know, um, being a shots fan as well, it's it's always tough. But I think it's now. I think I might have mentioned it in the chat. I think it's the fourth time I've interviewed somebody. <laughs> smashed a hat-trick past all the shots. I'm getting a bit immune to it. I'm full of admiration for that hat-trick, actually, because Solihull Moors, they're really, really good at what they do. And they do mix it up. You know, they scored a good goal, uh, a good passing goal as well, his second goal. Uh, and I think some of the press they get is a bit unfair. Um, yes, they've got big guys, and but they do mix it up as well. I think they're playing a little bit more football now than they were at the start of the season. Um, I think they were literally just chucking it into areas at the start of the season. But it was boys against men, sadly, on uh, on Tuesday evening. Uh, th- there are some positive signs at Aldershot. There's some improvements in performance. Um, we'll get on to the weekend's results in, in, in just a minute. But um, no, I mean, Solihull Moors thoroughly deserved that game. Um, from the minute they scored in the 14th minute, they were always going to take the three points, to be honest. Aldershot are struggling to score goals very, very badly. And, 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 and uh, you know, moving on, I guess, from Tuesday to Saturday's results, Luke, what Solihull Moors did again from uh, being behind, they managed to eke out a point, and that point ends up looking huge, doesn't it, when uh, a couple of their title Chasing rivals, both lost. Out of the top seven, there. only only Wrexham and Gateshead picked up wins on Saturday. As I said, it was a vital point for Solihull. They were down and out after 70, 70 minutes, but that man, Nathan Blissett, scored again, along with Kyle Storer in the last minute, and they, they pulled it back, and it finished 2-2, which meant, means they stay top of the National League by two points. Wrexham, they came from behind to beat Haven and Waterlooville, a really massive result for that. Brian Hughes was absolutely delighted with that, and he, he's having an instant impact there at Wrexham, isn't it? Two wins out of two. Yeah, it's been odd goings on as we covered uh, in the last couple of weeks at Wrexham, but maybe, just maybe, getting an upward momentum, getting a new man in at this stage of the season gives them the best chance of not losing them before the end of the season. And uh, and they're well-placed, aren't they? Uh, if you look at the league table, they've got a, a game in hand. as have a few of the sides on Solihull Moors, but uh, Solihull Moors have got the extra couple of points sitting pretty in their back pocket. This is one of those weeks, Luke, where we couldn't possibly look at the top and then later on, you know, 10 minutes later, look at the bottom because they were all kind of, or a lot of them were playing each other yesterday. And the massive recurring theme yesterday was sides in the bottom six or seven getting not just results, not just points, but wins against sides up there chasing the title. So uh, Chesterfield, all credit to them. Fortuna with a 13th-minute goal, the only one 
at AFC filed. Then you've got Maidenhead going to Leighton Orient and an Adrian Clifton goal in the 53rd minute being the only goal. So, you know, these title chasing sides at home to sides down the bottom and they're not even scoring, let alone getting a point or winning the game. And then perhaps for me, the biggest shock of all, although there has been uh, improved form from Dover at the minute, to go to Salford City go behind at Salford City to a, a, a politic goal in the ninth minute. Uh, a wonder goal, apparently, from the halfway line in front of Beckham. Um, hmm. And then come back and win 3-1. Uh, absolutely staggered as well. And we might as well throw into that, although all credit to Barra because they're mid-table anyway. Uh, a brilliant 1-0 win for them in the 90th minute against Sutton. Oh, how the shoe was on the other foot for one. Yeah, <laughs> it's the only time we talk politics on this show as well, uh, when we talk about Dennis politics. But like you say, uh, there was a lot of fanfare at Solwood, wasn't there? David Beckham turned up and it, there was a lot of photos there and everything. And I know, avid listener to podcast, Karen Barry said there was, it was just, it was a bit crazy yesterday, but they were, Dover were the ones left smiling at the end of the day. And it's difficult to pick a result the day, Rob, isn't it? I mean, maybe you, you edge towards Maidenhead, but then you look at Chesterfield going up to Fylde and Fylde don't get beaten at home either so it's really difficult to pinpoint that down a, a result of the day yeah it is I mean we'll have to give it a group one I think uh, and the big losers really down the bottom end of the table were the two sides that played out the nil-nil draw yesterday funnily enough all the talk in the media room prior to the game yesterday was that the most likely result was a nil-nil I don't think any of us went to put a bet on <laughs> but uh, but we, we, we probably would have been quids in if we had done um there's definitely a feeling uh, of doom uh, around Halifax and inevitability, I think. And uh, I spoke to Lewis Walsh of their media team as we were kind of setting the scene before the match. It's the latest big game, massive game here at the Shea Stadium for both sides today. Halifax are not quite safe yet and they're going to need a few more wins. Aldershot, uh, 17 now without a win. I've been joined by Lewis Walsh um, uh, of the uh, FC Halifax Town media team. We sat here around about an hour before kickoff, and and Lewis, what's it been like the season so far for Halifax? Is it well below expectations for you, or is it about what you expected? Well, at the start of the season, it was a bit, I don't know really. We'd just gone full time, so expectations were a little bit higher. We obviously started the season incredibly. We were top of the league at the start of September, so we were thinking could this actually be the year but mm. just as what happened last year we've completely fallen off so I think with the expectations being raised from that start of the season mm. I'd say we're performing well below expectations at this point Based also on the back end of last year when Fullerton came in did a pretty good job steadying the ship it would have been reasonable to have slightly higher expectations for this season wouldn't it? Oh of course when Fullerton came in we thought we found manager who could take us to the football league mm. it was saying all the right things we were performing a lot better than we were under Billy Heath like I say it's just been below expectations like Fullerton can definitely do better than this the squad can definitely do better than this mm. so yeah and uh, we were talking off air a minute ago I was saying to you that obviously I didn't think Halifax was safe yet and, and today might give us a good idea of whether they're not whether or not they're going to be involved in a relegation scrap you feel a little bit stronger, don't you? And, and, and understandably so, because you're looking at this game as if Halifax, who haven't won since Boxing Day, can't be hopelessly out of formal shot town, then, uh, th then you really are in trouble. 
then you're right, yeah, this is probably our biggest game of the season. It'll tell us where we are as a team. And as you've just alluded to there, um, if we can't beat this Aldershot team, who I believe have scored less goals than us in the league... 100%. <laughs> um, then I think we could very well much be down unfortunately well there's obviously 14 or so games to go so nothing will be decided today but um, I think Aldershot's injury problems throughout the season have been well documented but you've got one or two yourself today as well haven't you and, and, and in those in that desperate search for goals the guy you normally look to is Dale Southwell and he's going to be out isn't he yeah um, last week at Chesterfield we were without him as well and he make no mistake he was a massive loss We've brought in Scott Quigley on loan from Blackpool and last season he showed he can score goals as he did with Wrexham but he's just not been able to hit the ground running with us today and um, so without Southwell today we've lost the goal scoring, without Cameron King we've lost the creativity in the team so we've just lost everything about us as a team today really. Well I hope these words don't come back to haunt me but the other boys on the podcast know that I've interviewed four opposition players that have scored hat-tricks against Aldershot Town this season so Scott Quigley probably will uh, arrive and hit the ground running today we'll wait and see Lewis thanks for joining us and uh, uh, best of luck for the rest of the yeah, season my pleasure. best luck to Aldershot that was Lewis Walsh Aldershot still can't put the ball in the net against Halifax and uh, Halifax who hadn't scored since New Year's Day who hadn't won since Boxing Day who'd only won two in 24 games finally had Aldershot come into town and they couldn't score past them and they couldn't beat them. And as uh, the quote that's come on this podcast a couple of times in recent months, everybody beats all the shots, you know what I mean? And mm. uh, truthfully, and I'm always truthful on this, uh, Aldershot had more chances in the game. Uh, there were loud boos at the end of the game, uh, very unsatisfied home fans. And one of the reasons for that is the reality setting in at Halifax. When you're on that kind of run without a win, as Halifax and Aldershot both are, and you're slipping down that table and everybody around you is winning, um, literally, it's only going to be a matter of a week or two before Halifax drop into those relegation positions as well. And I mentioned a couple of times, Luke, haven't I, uh, two, three, four weeks ago, that Halifax are not safe yet. And um, I really do think uh, they're, they're in the scrap as well. And Rob caught up after the game with Halifax winger Matty Cozzolo. Joined for the NL full-time podcast by Matty Cozzy low, as the guy in front of me kept telling me it's cozy, with it almost as if it was with a Z. Uh, Matty, ultimately, from a Halifax point of view, it's a nil-nil against Aldershot. Um, it's it's not the worst result in the world, but it's not the one you wanted, is it? No, I think um, look at how many goals have scored, how many goals have conceded, and they're coming to our our home our home stadium, and we really we're expecting three points, but. I just don't think the performance uh, warranted the three points. I think they set up a different formation to what they normally would. Um, and they, they was quite positive. First half I thought was the better team, but second half again, we just sort of seemed to die off and, and not pass it and not create as many chances. Um, but um, it's a point on the board and we can't be, we can't be too down about it because we've got a quick turnaround on Tuesday. Now, Matty, you off, you caused most of your danger down the left wing, but am I right? There was one time you got back right in front of your own goal today and the ball came off your head. And Did you have your heart in your mouth for a moment or did you know what you was doing there as it went back to the keep? I think Johnson gathered it okay, didn't he? I think what I think I sort of, it's come off um, uh, centre mid, but I've, I've 
landed funny on my ankle. Um, plus, I'd rather have done that because I think if I'd have let my man run and he scored, um, I think it would have been hands up and my fault. So, mm. uh, yeah, I'd have took that and Sammy was on his toes. So, yeah. As far as crowd were concerned, a lot of booze on full time. Is that is that really about expectation? Really, You're thinking, well, all the shot coming in, I haven't won in 17 matches. This, you know, this has got to be three points. Um, what, what was your reaction to that? To the booze on on full time? Without being too disrespectful as a foot as a footballer or a part-time footballer or whatever you want to call us we can't take too much notice of them um, mm. and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to the fans or anything like that because mm. they come they pay the money they support us and ultimately they want to they want to see goals just like we want to score them so um, I can understand the disappointment but also we can't let it affect us too much because otherwise it'll flood onto the pitch and it just it just uh, it makes things a lot worse if we start taking too much notice of it. So, listen, we we've got to be brave, bold, um, and and be confident in the next game and and give them ultimately what they want. That's why they that's why they're booing because they they're, they're just gutted like us. So, um, we'll move on to Tuesday and hopefully we can give them a result. Now, from what I can understand, and I don't expect you to comment on that. Um, the, 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 your manager Jamie Fullerton hasn't attended a post-match um, uh, press calls. Do you, is there any, do you, anything more you know about that you can share with us? Or um, no, he'll, he'll just be disappointed. Um, he's a winner. Um, he's played at the highest level, and uh, he'll just be disappointed. Um, I'll just put it down to that. Um, he's brave, brave enough to face everybody every week. Um, so on the odd occasion where we've probably not got a result where we wanted I wouldn't read too much into it and just your final thoughts really uh, sort of 13 or so games to go now um, definitely, you're definitely in that fight at the wrong end of the table but do you think uh, Halifax have, have got enough quality enough belief um, to ensure that they'll still be in the National League next year um, yeah I, I mean I, be- I believe in us um, and that's why I get so frustrated because I know we're capable of more um, uh, the lads in the changing room know that um, we're not We've still got players here from last season where we had a really strong run at the end of the season. Um, and it's just sort of similar story to last season, really. We started really well, um, faded off, had a, had a bad run, and I'm I'm positive we can pick up a run together. Um, we've got the players to do it. It's just about it's just about showing it and, like, like I said, being brave and confident and bold. Put that run together and get the final outcome, which is a goal um, in the opposite area. Well, for what it's worth, I think Halifax might just have enough to be in the National League next year. If all the shot make it up here again, we'll speak to you again for a third year running. Matty, thanks for joining us. And that was Matty Kozolo, and you could just tell in his voice that he cut a frustrated figure. And as you said, there's just a lot of frustration around the Shea in general. I mean, Jamie Fullerton stormed off, didn't fulfil any of his media duties, and it just seemed like it was a very strange day at the Shea in general. Yeah, it was, to be fair. Um... I don't think, uh, I think it was a matter of reality setting in for Halifax, uh, probably for Jamie Fullerton as well. Apparently it's the third or fourth time this season that he's not done the post-match press call, uh, which is, uh, well, to be honest, surprising to hear and, 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 and in my opinion, quite unprofessional because win, lose or draw in football, you know, everybody has jobs around the club. Everybody fulfills their duties. Why should uh, why should you pull out of that, Halifax fans? If you if you listen to this podcast, what do you think of that? Um, don't you want to hear from your manager after uh, a result, whether it's a win, a lose, or a draw? Just a little footnote, um, you know, from an Aldershot Town point of view, Luke. Um, I think there's a strong feeling amongst the fans that any changes now, any further changes, are, are probably going to be too late for this season. 
Um, they do look a little bit more solid at the back. The introduction of Menning Easy from Bristol Rovers on loan and uh, George Elakobi um, have definitely helped to give them a bit more physical presence at the back. And, and, and they didn't really look like conceding yesterday whilst adapting to a new shape of three centre-backs and, uh, and, and wing-backs. However, the quality was woefully missing uh, in the final ball and the end product of the other game. And if they're not going to score goals, they're not, they're not really going to fire their way out of this now. Yeah, the other two teams below all the shot, Maidstone United and Braintree, both slipped up as well. Maidstone in the Kent derby at Bromley, they lost 2-0. And Braintree, they lost 2-1 at Eastleigh. And Paul McCallum's having his most productive season as a striker. And I know at the start of the season, Andy Hessenthaler said, if you get the ball in the box, Paul McCallum's going to score his goals. And he is doing. And he, he's keeping Eastley within a sniff of the playoffs. They're only out of the playoff places on goal difference. Yeah, he, he scored a couple of goals the other week. He scored two again now. Um, and he's up to 19 now for the season. Actually, to be fair, breathing down the net of McCordy Bond on 20 and um, Danny Rowe on 21 Rooney's just tucked behind him on 18 and the next nearest to that is 12 so it really is between those four for the golden boot and uh, I'm not sure actually of the severity of uh, Adam Rooney's current injury and uh, and when he'll be back A re- really good win for Hartlepool 4-0 away at Boreham Wood and not many teams got a Boreham Wood and, and, and score four and it's just not happened for Boreham Wood this season after the high of the playoff final last year yeah, no, I, I must admit, when we did the predictions at the beginning of the season, I thought they'd lost a lot of quality and I thought they might struggle a little bit. I had them down as kind of mid-table, as pretty much as I, I thought Aldershot would be too at the time. But uh, they're, they're, they're struggling and that result really stands out uh, from their point of view. Uh, on 39 points, they've probably just got enough to bumble and stumble their way to safety this season. So many st- teams still behind them. But for Hartlepool, that's a, a magnificent result. And do and, and you know what? That might be the result of the day to score four goals at Boreham Wood, you know, without reply, and no doubt how prolific Nicky Kabamba is now becoming. He wasn't prolific at Haven, he wasn't prolific at Aldershot, but now I'm pretty sure that's five goals in five games since he signed on for Hartlepool. Yeah, sometimes you just find a club and it happens for you, and it's certainly happening for Nicky Kabamba at the minute. Final question, Rob, in terms of the. The playoffs, I mean, are you looking at absolute upwards, really? Absolute five points off the playoffs and there's a five-point gap back to Barrow. So I'm guessing we're saying absolute intent is the cut-off for the playoffs. Yeah, I think so. I think that would be a sensible call right now. So we're talking about nine teams for six places. Um, Harrogate uh, have just probably... You know, there weren't too many weeks ago we thought Harrogate might still have a say in the title race, but uh, they're in danger of losing... A little bit of ground there. They do have a game in hand. Sutton are tucked in in seventh, and they have a game in hand over most of the sides. Two over Gateshead. I don't think we should underestimate, really, just how well Gateshead have done, A, to get there, and B, to stay there, whilst, you know, since losing uh, Steve Watson. Uh, Stephen Rigg with a couple of goals. It was one of those days yesterday, wasn't it, that uh, a lot of players nabbed two goals. Uh, I know other clubs that would kill for just one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know who you could possibly be talking about. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. So you, you had a, a great time together yesterday at Edgley Park, the two of you. We'll call it the NL Full-Time Derby. It was Stockport County versus Telford. And uh, Rich was the one feeling a bit sorry for himself at the end of the day. Yeah, unfortunately so. Um, went down to a 3-2 defeat. Probably, you know, a result that County deserved, I have to say, on the day. Yes, um, I think County pr- 
probably did deserve it. I was impressed with uh, with Telford's sort of tenaciousness. They didn't really create a lot of opportunities, especially in the first half, and I think that's probably what let them down because sort of the play in the middle middle third of the pitch was was fairly even. But I think um, yeah, County probably had more of the chances and and probably looked that bit more deadly. I think in in that final third and. Uh, but Telford kept coming back at him. We went 1-0, 1-0, 2-1, 2-0, 3-2. 3-2 and Daniel Udo had a great chance at the end of the game. But um, Hinchcliffe came out and smothered the shot. Otherwise, it would have been 3-0. And Chris, you caught up with Gavin Cowan after the game. Yeah, obviously very um, very frustrating. We weren't at our best today, anywhere near it, in fact. Um, I felt if we could have come here and been play to what we what we know we can we, we, we could have got something here today um, I'm hoping for the win but not to be and I think maybe the occasion got to some of the players I'm not sure but you know we didn't start as fast as what we normally do and and the lads didn't stick to script so yeah very frustrating day for us yeah, having said that you started coming into it in the second half um, but you didn't start the, the second half too well did you? No between 29 and 40 minutes we had complete control of the game yeah. you know and I could sense the frustration and Stockport had changed formation and, and um, you know they were I know they were concerned because we, we really had a foothold in the game but then again from 40 minutes to 45 minutes we, 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 we sort of tried to implode a little bit but got to half time and then like you say second half we just you know, we, we we had spells of being in possession and doing really well, and then just completely abandoned the game plan. So it's um, yeah, a tough one to take. Yeah, I mean, in the context of the season, it's still still a really good season. You're still up there, you're still pushing. That gap though is a bit further now to to those. I don't know what you call them, golden playoff spots, if you, if you, if you like. Um, how do you kick on from here? Yeah, there's a long way to go yet. You know, and I was speaking to Jim Gannon before the game, and we were both talking about how you know nothing's done yet. It's a long way to go, and. You've got, to, you've got to keep your eyes on the prize. Um, so, yeah, I expect to um, I expect to get back on track and we've got to do that as soon as Tuesday. You've got a, well, you've got a tough game on Tuesday. They're fighting for the lives down yeah. down there as well. How, what, how, what are you going to expect for them? Oh, yeah, well, I know Jody Bannon really well. He's a good friend of mine and, um, you know, he, he likes to play, but he also knows that, you know, in this league you've got to fight and battle. So we're going to come up against a team who can do both and that's, uh, that's tough, you know, and on, on any given day it's... Uh, anyone can win in this league but you know we, we feel as though if we can bring certain qualities and if we do go you know revert back to type and get on script then you know we can we can go there and get three points and that was Gavin Cowan and he was he was bitterly disappointed Rich and it was interesting to use the words to Chris there that he felt the occasion got to Telford a bit yeah I think that that probably would have um, uh, disappointed him a bit he, he places a lot of stall on you know having recruited players who he feels are the right kind of characters who can handle that kind of situation and and perhaps yesterday a few of them didn't and I think that his disappointment would have stemmed partially from that a bit of it as well I, I know he's very um, methodical they have a game plan and he felt they went away from that plan so doubly disappointed but I also know that you know he's looked back at games in the past uh, with the benefit of hindsight and then the thought that perhaps they didn't play as badly as he thought they did you know immediately after the game so um, yeah now they've got to bounce back on Tuesday night Yeah big game for both sides of that one Telford versus Ashton both for uh, fighting at the, the the opposite ends of the table. Chris, there was a couple of other results that you noticed, most notably York versus Kidderminster, two kind of bigger teams in the North Division. Yeah, and it's the first back-to-back league wins for 13 months for York City, so that just shows how much in the doldrums they've been recently, and uh, 
Steve Watson will be absolutely delighted with this. So it was it was the nearly new manager beat the new manager, I think, yesterday. <laughs> yeah. uh, Agbra. And um yeah, Watson will be absolutely delighted. And do you know what? I've just seen the goals from this game and there's two two better goals you will not see side by side in a match. Absolutely brilliant individual strikes by uh, Callum Griffiths and, and Scott Burgess and and York City, well, They've, they were on a terrible, terrible streak, but they've now won three in the last four and they seem to be steering away from that danger zone. Yeah, the interesting thing Steve Watson said during uh, the week was basically that they're not playing the formation he wants to play. They've, he's just gone to the formation that the, the players know and he's just trying to instill that confidence in them and he'll, he'll maybe work on his formation during the summer now. Yeah, that's, that's a clever way of doing things, isn't it? Get them safe. Um, if you look at the table, it's crazy, though. They're only seven points off Alteringham in the playoff places. And we were talking about Curzon Ashton the other week, who were, who were five points off as maybe having a little sneak at getting in those playoffs. So I reckon the back, he'll never say it, but in the back of his mind, he may be thinking that. And, you know, he's he's only been there. There's only, what, 10, 10-ish games left of, of the season um, so far. And that probably makes sense. It's probably um, pragmatic and practical, to um, to work with the plays you've got and work with the formation that suits you and I'm sure over the summer that'll give him plenty of time to think about how he's going to take it forward next season. Yeah, you feel like it's the kind of type of um, club where if he can get on a roll, it's kind of, it'll be a juggernaut especially with that crowd behind him, so it will be interesting to see and I said when Steve Watson t- uh, took over, don't rule him out of the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. For Kidderminster, Mark Yates just said uh, it wasn't them really, he was um, a bit disappointed with the way they played but I'm sure they'll bounce back, Chris, won't they? Oh, yeah, I think they will. And we've said before, you know, I think Mark Yates is a fantastic appointment. They're only three points off the playoffs. They've had a, from their standards, they've had a really terrible season. So they need to, um, they need to get something going. They need to get that crowd behind them because they've been losing, winning, losing, winning, drawing. And it hasn't been consistent enough. So they need something to get that crowd excited down there. Charlie won their game in hand in midweek against Brackley, really big win for them, and Stockport County were keeping the pressure upon them, and maybe Charlie felt the pressure a little bit because they went 1-0 up against Alfreton before losing 2-1, and I know the Alfreton Twitter were cock-a-hoop at the end, they said it was the best performance of the season. Well, so they should be, but Alfreton have got it in them to surprise the top teams. County went there, and in the middle of that winning streak that County is still on, actually, Alfreton were the one team that... Um, that held them up and they, they drew at their place and they really do have it in them. So I was looking through and I was thinking, um, I'm going to check Alfreton's results at home against these top teams. And then I forgot, I completely forgot that they lost 7-1 at home to Spennymore <laughs> in, the middle of a, in the middle of a tough period. Um, but yeah, Chorley will be gutted at that result, especially after being 1-0 up. It does, uh, County have closed the gap. But I just mentioned one team that we cannot forget about, and that is Spennymore, because they're on a fantastic streak of themselves. They're sneaking up. They've been in third place. They are they are well in this title race, and let's not forget about them either. I was going to say that, Chris. We speak about Solihull and go, can they win the league? Well, I'm going to throw it out to you two. Can Spennymore win the league? Well, I think so. I certainly think so. Um, if you look at the position they're in now, I know everyone likes the points, but they've got two games in hand in bo- on both Chorley and Stockport County. 
if they won both those, they'd overtake. If you know, in a hypothetical situation, if they played two matches before those two, um, they'd be one point behind Chorley and they'd be two points ahead of Stockport. So there's absolutely no reason, and the, and they are on some roll at the minute as well. Yeah, I think if they can sort of keep that form going, um, I'm just having a quick look through who's spending more still got to play. Um, they've still got to play Chorley and Stockport. Uh, I think it's away at Stockport in a, a week or so's time. And then there's an Easter Monday. They've got Chorley going to Spennymoor. You know, if, if the title race is still open at that point, that's a huge game. And that would be a huge weekend for Chorley as well because they've got Stockport on the Saturday. Watch this space. It'll be interesting. And I know Stockport have got... They play one of their games in hand on Tuesday night against Southport, a game which I'll be hoping to go to and get some reaction from that. Another interesting game, and it was it was that team where they had more draws than a furniture shop, Rich. It was Geisley. They, they drew with Telford on Tuesday. Yeah, it was. Um, I think that's. I think that makes it exactly fifty percent of their matches they've drawn. I think that made it fifteen out of thirty. Slightly different circumstances to their their draw with Telford on Tuesday. They they got to three one up. Um, away at FC United of Manchester and then FC scored two in the last quarter of an hour to, to peg them back and I'm sure Marcus Bingham would be disappointed with that, you know, a draw from that position um, isn't going to be one that he's happy with, whereas I think you know the, the draw against Telford on Tuesday was probably one that would have been more satisfying Yeah, it, it, it's enough for, for Geisley, it sort of like keeps them just above that bottom three, it's not really enough for FC United though yeah, they're just kind of geyslid, they're not exactly pulling away from the relegation zone, they're just kind of sort of teetering away, aren't they, from it? They're picking up a point all the time, and they're just kind of nicking, well, not nicking draws, but as I say, just picking up enough points to, to keep their heads above water. Yeah, I think they are. They're, they're um, in, in the nicest possible way, they're, they're sort of a strange team. They're, they're clearly hard to beat. And Marcus Big made the point after the game with Telford on Tuesday that um, I think they'd only lost one more game than Telford at that point in the season, but it's all of the draws that have cost them. Um, so clearly they're, 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 not a, they're not an easy team to get past, but they probably don't have enough, fire, uh, enough um, firepower to you know, get ahead in games to, to actually see that through and get three points. But I think on the basis that they're hard to beat, they'll, they'll probably just about keep their heads above, um, above water for this season at least. I think the bottom three, and looking at Nunny, I think there's something like 17 points behind safety now. I think they've got 12 games left, so we're only talking about potentially if they don't pick up some wins soon, that they could be gone you know, with six, seven games of the season left. Not only gone in terms of being relegated, I mean, again, there's a, there's a headline on the front of an non-league paper today saying about the final countdown of facing a two-week fight for survival. Um, Ginny Ginelli is basically saying it's make or break for the club now. So not only may they go down, they might not see out the season at this rate. Yeah, and, you know, if that was to happen, I know it, nobody likes to talk about these kind of things and, and, and everybody has to concentrate on their own business. But, you know, if, if, it, if that did happen and Dunedin didn't last the season, that means teams presumably having points taken off their record for results they've got against them. And that could affect all kinds of issues. You know, that could affect the other relegation places. That could affect the title race, too. It's, it's not anything that anybody wants and, and chiefly we don't want that for the people of Nuneaton because they've, they've lost the football club before and, and, and came back and, and you, don't, you just don't want to see that happen again. Yes, it's a horrible mess there and, and, and everyone, was quite, everyone was quite optimistic when 
Nick Hawkins came in, but I don't know. It's a, it seems like it's a bigger task than he thought when he first took over the club. I think so. It sounds as if you know these they, they, they've tried to come up with you know initiatives to try and get more people in and to attract um, you know people from the, the community and the league to actually businesses to to come along and take sponsorships. You know, no, you know. I think they they, they think this appeal that they've put out says they need some new directors. And they're talking about people putting in £10,000, 10 people putting in £10,000 each on like a rolling basis for each year, which is, I suppose it's not a bad idea. It means it's not all being placed at the, at the whim of one person. If one person owns the club and he's putting in £100,000 and decides to take that out, then, you know, you've got big problems. Having 10 people putting in £10,000 each is more sustainable, but but even finding 10 people with £10,000 is proving to be a difficulty for them. Yeah, as I say, we wish them well, and hopefully they they will survive. You know, nobody wants to see that happen. I know, you know, our own manager, Gavin Cowan, played at Nuneaton and has a lot of friends there and a lot of people and he knows, and, and you just don't want that for any club. It, it was Altrincham one, Bradford Park Avenue one. Now, the, not only the talking point was about the result, but the shirts that Altrincham wore. Uh, they, they had bright coloured rainbow shirts on to um, to support the LGBT initiative and a really good, worthy cause for them. Uh, it got a good draw against Bradford Park Avenue, but also a lot of good publicity as well and raised a lot of money for that cause. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was actually on the noticed on the on the BBC main news at, at ten fifteen last night. Just had a match of the day, which is fantastic publicity for for Altrincham. It's fantastic publicity for the cause that they're promoting. And you know, when you consider that David Becker was making his first appearance at Salford City for their game with Dover just a few miles away, for Altrincham to be the story on that day and it not to be David Beckham is you know is fantastic. Yeah, it was uh, David Beckham was usurped in, in more ways than one yesterday, not only with the result for Salford, but also with the publicity as well. <laughs> yeah, he'll have better days, I'm sure. He will. Hi, I'm Jay Robinson, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. And Tom Wang, he, he can't be with us this week, however, he did send us his, his National League South roundup, and here it is. Only one real place to start this week's roundup of the National League South, and that's down at Parkview Road where Welling United picked up a really big, probably unexpected 2-0 win against Torquay United. Having brought in Jack Barham from Barnet, he got the opener. And then when Carl Cameron picked up a red card for the goals, it was always unlikely that they'd managed to uh, haul Welling in. Steve King always puts together sides who know how to keep a lead, and that's exactly what they did, getting the second and the you know the eventual ceiling goal later on. That keeps Welling in fifth, it keeps them well in the playoff mix. And it also means that although Torquay United stay top, the hard work that they'd done to capitalise on Woking's losses last week has now been undone and Woking can catch them if they win their game in hand. Woking did everything they could to stay in touch by beating Western Supermare 2-1, Paul Hodges and on-loan Coventry City man Rhys Alassani bagging the goals there. A 90th minute Jared Welsh consolation was just that. And that's the first time Woking have put two wins together in over a month. In terms of... Woking, just to mention the signing of Reese Alassani, he's one of a number of players who did well at the non-league level, moved up to the Football League over the summer, I think it was an unprecedented number of players that we saw make the move, um, and he's now come back down on loan from Coventry. He's a very good player, he's, he's a pacey, skillful individual, effective on the wing or in the centre, and the idea of him 
Max Kretschmar supplying the ammunition for the likes of Dave Tarpey, Jake Hyde and Greg Lua could make Woking really potent moving forward. You know, they lost Jamal Loza in January to Billericay Town and they've gone out and actually Alan Dalton's been backed by the board and he's made his team stronger. Moving slightly down the division, there was a really important win for Concord Rangers to keep pace with the playoff group. They're down in 8th place, they're 4 points behind Dartford who are in 7th, the last playoff spot. And had Concord hadn't picked up that crucial victory against Bath, they could have been nine points behind if Dartford had got the win as well. Thankfully for them, Dartford didn't. They drew two all with Slough Town. And also thankfully for them, top scorer Alex Wall was back in the goals at just the right time. He's up to 16 for the season now, keeping pace with the likes of Tyler Harvey, Reese Murphy and Jamie Reid at the top of those goal scorers charts. Alex Wall, what a signing that was for Concord Rangers. He went to Dartford and then Dartford decided they had too many strikers and they binned him. They kept Kudos Oyanuga, they kept Sam Delano York, between them they have one goal and Alex Wall scored 16. What a great bit of business for Concord. But speaking of Dartford, they drew, as I said, two all away at Slough Town. I think that's a game that both would probably have targeted for a win, but also neither will be too disappointed with a point, if that makes sense. It was really important for Slough that they started picking up a few more points. They've, they've gone off the boil a bit recently. They lost to Gloucester last weekend, and a home tie against Dartford is an important point, place to start picking up points again. Keeping up in the playoff area, Billericay Town picked up another win, 2-0 against Eastbourne Borough. Billericay, as I said last week, they've really come over their patch of iffy form, or twice in the last eight. Both of those were away against Chelmsford and Chippenham, who are very good sides. Adam Coombs got himself another goal. He's creeping inexorably up the goalscorer's charts. One more and he'll be clear of Jake Robinson, who admittedly did leave Billericay Town nearly four months ago now. As for Eastbourne Borough, Luke and I discussed this last week, didn't we, about how they are slipping towards the relegation zone. Another loss, uh, that's now six games without a win for them, and they're down to 15th, and they're sure to be looking over their shoulder. Another team who are likely to be looking over their shoulder at the bottom, having had a decent start to the season, is Hampton and Richmond Borough. Their troubles over the summer have been well documented after Alan Dowson and a large portion of their side left. However, we were all pretty surprised when they started so well. They were right up amongst the playoff area for the first month or so. However, they really have gone off the ball at boil now. They've got the second worst record in the division over the last eight games. They've picked up only five points and they're down to 16th and uh, definitely looking over their shoulder. Aside who are completely going in the other direction though are Gloucester, who beat Hampton and Richmond. They're five unbeaten now, they're out of the relegation zone and for the second time in a week, Fabian Robert scored a crucial goal in a one-goal victory and what a signing he's proving to be for Gloucester City. Back up the division, Chelmsford kept pace at the top, are exactly where I expected them to be at the beginning of the season. Always thought that Torquay and Woking would would be the uh, the two teams to beat, but Chelmsford always looked like the team that were most likely to push them. In third, Reese Murphy scoring the only goal in a game you'd expect them to win at home to East Thurrock, who are still well and truly mired down in that relegation zone. Chippenham Town overcame Hungerford 3-1 at home. Ian Herring's side couldn't follow up their impressive 5-0 victory against St Albans, but they were just the latest team to be beaten by an impressive Bluebird side out in Chippenham. Nick McCooty and Nathaniel Jarvis have been too hot to handle for a lot of sides this season, and that was exactly what proved to be the case against Hungerford Town. Truro City picked up an important three points against a badly off-the-boil Oxford City side. Oxford City... I've only picked up one point in their last seven games and although they probably picked up enough points early in the season to stay up they're definitely going to be uh, another side who will really want to start turning that around soon when you look at the likes of them Eastbourne Borough and uh, Hampton and Richmond 
it's very easy to see at least one of them being dragged into the relegation mix if they can't turn things around soon because some of the teams at the bottom such as Gloucester such as Truro are starting to pick up points so yeah that 2-0 victory for Truro keeps them in, in decent nick after back-to-back losses against Billericay and St Albans. Speaking of whom, St Albans drew 2-2 away against Wilston. A 90th-minute equaliser from Liam Sole was enough to snatch them the draw. Probably the most exciting-looking game of the day was Dulwich Hamlet 3, Hemel Hempstead Town 3, down at Champion Hill. Dan Thompson scored twice. He's been a bit of a revelation in the last few weeks since he came down from Braintree. He did very well at this level last season for Braintree, but never really found his feet in the National League. Probably wasn't really given enough of a chance I would say but he's back down uh, in National League South with Dulwich Hamlet and he's scoring goals and he's scoring goals in front of huge crowds another massive attendance for them at Champion Hill with 2,849 watching the game yesterday that's uh, more than double the next highest crowd which is at Chelmsford City so what an achievement for Dulwich as a promoted side to be consistently picking up the biggest attendances now that they've moved back to their home ground that's about it for the National League South this week and that was Tom Lang. A couple of interesting things in there, Rob. It's certainly at the top of the table. Now it's it's really hotting up, as we said, with Torquay losing at Welling and Woking winning. There's only a point in it with Woking. I've got a game in hand as well. Yeah, very, very tight now. The game in hand, as Tom said, will put them top. And I think that little stem in the Torquay momentum just makes you sort of prick up and look a little bit closer at that. And, and possibly, we've called it a two-horse title race, a tad too soon it's just closed up a little bit and uh, you know the likes of Chelmsford Chelmsford and even Billericay who are only six points off the top uh, you know remarkable turnaround there after uh, all the upheaval uh, and Welling as well you know will make people sit up and take note with that result yesterday so uh, there's a little bit still to, to, to do in that title race and of course the, the race for the playoffs too so it was a great week, as, as Tom said, it was a great week for Gloucester. They, they beat Slough during the week and then they got that 1-0 win at Hampton and Richmond Borough on Saturday. And Fabian Ribeiro has been heavily involved in both of those games. And he's a player that you know well, Robbie. He was on loan at Aldershot last year. Yeah, I mean, he's got, uh, he's got a little touch of quality about him here and there. Do you know what I mean? He's a flair player. He can do something special, can Fabian Ribeiro. You're perhaps... He's perhaps missing a little bit of consistency. Not always taking centre stage in matches. Sometimes uh, he can be a bit anonymous. But uh, he's starting to show it there uh, at Gloucester. And, uh, you know, um, with all respect to Gloucester and with all respect to the National League South, Fabian Ribeiro's got the ability to do it at a higher level. And uh, it's a shame that, uh, that, that he hasn't really been able to uh, sustain that at a higher level. You've got a big game to look forward to, Rich, haven't you, coming up this weekend. Uh, you play Solihull Moors. So, Solihull Moors went top of the league for the first time in the history last Tuesday. Uh, we heard from Nathan Blissett earlier. They stayed top, as we heard earlier as well, with the draw against Barnet. And what a tough... It, it turns out it's probably looking like the toughest tie you could have had now. It, it absolutely is looking that way. But um, yeah, we've got to look upon it as... You know, a challenge when we can go there and try and enjoy. We both got, I think, uh, we've certainly got a game ahead of it on Tuesday, so they won't be looking too far ahead. You know, that that Tuesday game's got more importance for the moment. But yeah, as much as you want to say it's an FA Trophy quarterfinal, people didn't expect us to be there. Let's go and enjoy it. When you're at this stage of the competition, you want to go there and give it your best, and you want to try and win. You know, if we can't do that. You know, a replay back at Telford, I'm sure absolute people would absolutely take that. And it's obvious that people in Telford are excited about this tie. I think we've shifted 
upwards of about 600, 700 tickets for for the away games. It's obviously one that's excited people's uh, imagination. You know, we, 131 people at Stockport yesterday, but you're talking about taking five or 600 people for a trophy quarterfinal. That tells you that the trophy and, and that trip to Wembley is the thing that is exciting. It really excites people. Excellent. Well, Richard, best of luck in that game. I'm sure it'll be uh, an entertaining game, and we'll hear more about that next weekend. Thanks for joining us. You're very welcome, Luke. Thanks. Well, Rob, thanks for joining us this week. Yeah, pleasure as always, Luke. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast once again this week. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify and also via the podcast app. Keep looking over social media this week. We're going to post out a poll and see what your result of the day is. And we're also going to get to a couple of games during midweek as well, so keep your eye out on that. Until then, happy football watching, and we'll see you all very soon. (laughs) 